Praise God. Well, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. I want to speak to you today, and uh, um, the title of my message is The Right Time for a Visitation. And uh, this is what traditionally we call the Advent. Four weeks leading up to Christmas, a lot of churches, they celebrate the Advent. And I almost call this message the Adventure of God. Because it's a time we celebrate something that was very adventurous of God himself. God sent his son. God tried to send prophets. God tried to send messengers. God tried to reach people to him. But eventually, God took the riskiest step of all, and God sent his only son because God so loved you and I. And, and that's what we celebrate today, that, 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 that God that, that loved us and sent his son for us. And he was born. Uh, it took on flesh. For hundreds of years, the coming of Jesus were words. They had been prophesied right from the book of Genesis to the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi. And for, for hundreds of years, for thousands of years, the, Jesus was just a word that was prophesied, that was spoken, but eventually the word became flesh, took on flesh, and was born of a woman, and dwelt among us. Amen. So I I don't know, I I heard this wonderful story of a king that uh, he he was traveling, and, um, and as he was crossing a little humble little town, he saw this beautiful peasant girl. And as he was traveling, in, he, just, he just fell in love. It was love at first sight for this beautiful, pleasant, a peasant, and pleasant, I'm sure, <laughs> uh, uh, girl. And, and the next day he said to his servants, let's go again. Let's, let's see. I want to see that peasant girl again. And, and he came again and again and again. And, uh, and his love and his fondness for this girl just grew larger and larger, and he thought, well, one of these days I'll step off this horse, and I'll come down, and I'll introduce myself to her, but then the problem is that I'll never know if she loves me truly, because she'll be impressed with the, you know, the garments that I have, the crown that I have in my head as king, and so uh, uh, how will I ever know if she indeed uh, loves me, or is it just because of I've just caused an impression with my royalty, and one day that king decided to come and strip off his robes and come to the village and became a villager and became a peasant and he just took off his crown and he came and he just looked like everybody else in that village and then the, he introduced himself to this uh, peasant girl and they fell in love and they married. What a wonderful story. But that's exactly what Jesus did. He came, he loved us. I'm sure from eternity he looked down on us and, and he, he, he saw us and he loved us. And, uh, and, and, but, but one day he came and he said, well, how will I never know if they really love me? 
because I want this love not just to be a prearranged deal, but I want this love to be genuine and authentic. And so uh, Jesus stripped himself of his royalty, of his divinity, and came down to the earth and uh, took on the form of a servant, humbled himself, you know, so that now there, he could, we, could, we could be his bride. Amen? Hallelujah. We could love him. We could be in his presence and one day be in his presence forever and ever and ever. Hallelujah. Can we give Jesus a big hand? Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Now Galatians 4.4 says, But when the set time, everyone say set time. When the set time had fully come, God sent his son born of a woman, not born of a woman and a man, but this is an indication that this was going to be a supernatural conception, that the birth of Jesus was going to be a supernatural birth, and that Jesus was going to come as a supernatural Savior, hallelujah, into our world. When a set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. 400 years of silence between the last prophet and that night. But that night was, that silence was broken by the coming of Jesus who took flesh, who became exactly like us, and he dwelt amongst us. However, Jesus came, the Bible says, at a time set by God, a time set by God, a specific time in his agenda, a time when specific conditions were in place, an appointed time. In actual fact, this expression, an appointed time, appears 18 times in the Bible because God doesn't do random. God has appointed times, set times for things to happen. And, and when the time set had fully come, God sent his son. And you know, we... We measure, we measure time with watches, we, with calendars. We determine time with our Gregorian calendar. Some people follow the lunar calendar or the Julian calendar or the Mayan calendar. Or, uh, you know, there, there are different many. In fact, there are more than 20 different calendars in the world. But I want you to know something, that God has times and he has seasons that he has appointed by his power. God has his calendar. God has his timing. And in his timing, when the conditions were right, when God deemed that it was time, he sent his only son to the earth. You know, the birth of Jesus was not random. It was not even disconnected from any specific purpose and timeline. Jesus came at the right time. Jesus came at an appropriate time. I love Romans 5, 6, the second part that says, you see, just, as, just at the right time, just at the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Jesus came at the right time at a set time by God. Now, when the set time had fully come, God sent his son. And I, I find it so interesting that he came at a time that was historically, I don't know if you're a, I, I'm a, I'm a history buff. I love history. 
Um, and uh, I, I, that was one of the most unique times in the history of mankind. You know, the world had been happening like it had always happened for thousands of years. But what happened at the time that Jesus came was quite unique, quite revolutionary, quite different from any other time in the history of mankind. You see, it came at a time that was unique, that had unique political, social, moral, uh, geographical, and religious conditions. And I want to talk a little bit about that today. And these conditions, they came together, they converged, and God said, God saw it fit to send His Son uh, into the world as it was at that time. Now, Shakespeare said these words, he said, there is a tide in the affairs of men. There is a tide in the affairs of men. And we can say that when the time was right in the affairs of man, God sent his son. There were certain conditions, and the tide was high. The tide was full. It's like a boat that is about to set off. You, you, you have to wait for the right tide for the boat to sail away. And so Jesus came at a time when the tides of men were high, they were appropriate, when there was a specific time with specific conditions for Jesus to come. And so when Jesus came, I mean, things were, things were these were specific times, uh, spe there were specific conditions, and unparalleled in history uh, in, in a lot of ways, historically, socially, um, uh, geographically, religiously, morally, at all, kind, at all different types of levels. Now, this was a time when Caesar was uh, the emperor of Rome, of that whole empire. And one of the greatest achievements of this man, Caesar, was the unification of the known world. That, was, that had never happened. It hasn't happened since. The closest thing we have today is maybe the European Union or something, but that doesn't even come close to what happened in the, in, the, in the centuries that preceded the birth of Jesus and right at the time when Jesus came. So Caesar's, one of the, his greatest achievements is that he, he unified the world. He, and, um, and so the, what that means is that there were no more borders, there were no more frontiers. It was a time of what they said in Latin, Pax Romana, which means Roman peace. You know, Roman peace. So from the Atlantic Ocean to the Caspian Sea, from Britain to the river of Nile, of the Nile River, from uh, the Adrian Walls right by Scotland to the Euphrates River, it was, it was all Rome. Uh, no more countries, no more borders that one had to cross, but just, just an open area, vast and, uh, and enjoying Roman peace. Also, when Jesus came, it was something really remarkable happened because it was a time when just every corner of this empire was connected by a road system that extended something like 80,000 kilometers. Up to that time, I mean, roads were just, you know, just trails, just, you know, they weren't paved. This was the engineering feat of that is remarkable and unparalleled in history. So from Rome, it was known, and we still say these days, that um, 
all roads lead to Rome. That came from here because out of Rome and into the extremities of the Roman Empire, there were something like 80,000 kilometers of paved road. Communication was, was easy. Transport was possible. And so those were unique circumstances. You know, if Jesus had come a century earlier, you know, the, the, he would have, the gospel would have been blocked at every turn because there, was bar, there were barbarian tribes, there were nations at war, there weren't roads to take the gospel, you know, but now something unique had happened. You know, the known world was unified, there were no borders, there were, there were communication was easy. The apostles would have had no problem evangelizing the world like they did within 30 to 60 years of the birth of Jesus, the whole of the Roman Empire received the gospel. That could have not happened hadn't these civilizational uh, phenomena had happened. And that's exactly when Jesus came. So the Roman system of the empire was, was, was a unique feat. Uh, if, you, if you read in, in, in Acts chapter 28, verses 13 to 15, it actually has a time when the Apostle Paul arrived in, in that part of the world and, and, he had, and he walked the Appian Way, which is still there today. You can still walk. I've been there. I've walked on those cobbled stone roads. It's still there today. It's, it's in the Bible. It was so, so important, the Appian Way. Not only that, but not only the world was at peace, not only the world was traveling and like never before, but there was also another thing that happened that was quite unique. The world was united by one language. You know, there are many dialects, there are many languages all around the Roman Empire, but whatever you, could, whatever you went, you just needed one language, and everybody knew Greek. And later on, they, the common language became Latin. So for the first time ever, you know, there's a common language that, that makes it possible for, for the gospel to be communicated in, in a way that anyone in any corner of the, of the uh, known world of those days could understand. So, so uh, it wasn't as if the Apostle Paul had to get a translator. Like sometimes I go to countries in the world and I'm preaching and I have, I've had two translators. I preach in English, some guy preaching in French, some guy preaching to Swahili or some other language. It, it wasn't like that in those days. There was a common language. Everybody knew Greek. Everybody knew or, you know, later on they got to know uh, Latin. And that was the time that Jesus came. Roman peace, Roman roads, and a common language which was understood by all. So when the angels appeared in that remote part of nowhere in Galilee, and the angels said, they said, they said, you know, news of great joy which shall be to all men, that voice eventually echoed to the remotest part of the earth in very little time. It wasn't just a secret held by a few shepherds in the backside of nowhere. No, it was a voice that was heard all around the world. I don't know, I, I mean, th those were special conditions. And, and I'm, I'm thinking of our own time right now, how our world looks so much like that world. That right now I'm preaching, in this, there's people right now in other parts of the world through the miracle of internet, and they're right now watching me in Portugal, in, in Italy. They're watching, they're watching us in, in different parts of the world. We get, we get emails from people that have watched us, from Japan, from, and, and, and in a way, we're kind of living also 
very specific and paralleled circumstances. And if God waited for special circumstances to send his son, I really believe that right now there's some special circumstances, and I believe he's about to send his son again. Amen. And we need to prepare the world for his second arrival on planet Earth. Hallelujah. 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 And on that day, God didn't ask permission to send Jesus. Jesus just came. I tell you what, in the world that we're living in today, one of these days, he will come. And God's not going to ask permission. God, it's not going to go for votes. There's not going to be a survey. You know, it's God in his timing. When God says the time is up, Jesus will come again. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So historically, these were unprecedented and unparalleled conditions. The tide was right. The tide was right in terms of the technology of the day, in terms of the politically, geographically, socially also, things were right for the coming of Jesus. You know, deep down beneath the shining culture of the Roman world, beneath that, all that success, I want you to know that there was deep dissatisfaction and there was social unrest. You know, two out of three people walking the streets of Rome were slaves. You know, the, the, the slave population of the Roman Empire was approximately 60 million. There were 60 million people that were oppressed, subjugated, unhappy. They, they for sure, they... They built the buildings and built the roads, and they were part of that whole thing, but they were under the thumb of Caesar, and they were oppressed, and so there was, there was dissatisfaction. Historically, we know there was dis social unrest. In Israel itself, uh, there was deep hatred against the occupiers, because the Roman peace was only peace because it was a forced peace, an imposed peace. And, and so even in Israel itself, there was deep hatred against the occupiers and against the very people that Rome had set over the affairs of Israel. There was deep resentment and hatred towards someone like Herod the Great. He was only great uh, because of the buildings and the things that he did, but guess who made those buildings? Guess who paid the price? Guess who died to have those buildings done? Not only that, but uh, he taxed heavily the population of Israel. So there was deep discontentment, deep um, uh, people were burdened with taxes that were unbearable. There was repression. There was oppression. And as a result, there was great resentment. And so uh, right at the time, that right at the time, you know, I, I think the social conditions are ready because people needed, people realized they needed a savior. They needed a deliverer. And the Jews had never abandoned the idea that one day the Messiah would come, that there would be a deliverer, and, and he came. He came, amen. He came not, not like the, the way they thought he would come. He wasn't like, you know, the judges that you read about in the book of Judges. He wasn't like that. He came in a different way, but the world was ready for the message and the ministry that the Messiah, Jesus, was going to bring. So the situation was difficult, but as someone said, man's extremity is still God's opportunity. 
Amen. Man's extremity is still God's opportunity. I, I, I always say that the world's need just makes room for the gospel seed. Amen. That, that when people at a time where exactly like that, when people realize that they, they've come to the end of their, themselves and they're, they're tired, they're exhausted, they're oppressed, they are depressed, they, they, they've tried everything else, and they, they, then they, they may be open to the idea of, of a Savior that will come and rescue them. So man's extremity is still God's opportunity. And so suddenly, the message of hope that Jesus brought made, it, made all the sense in the world that he came to. And people were ready for the message of Jesus. That's why the Bible says Jesus came and announced why he came. Luke chapter 4 verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has to proclaim liberty to the captives, to recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable ear of the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So Jesus is talking about the brokenhearted and the poor and the, and the captives and the blind and the oppressed. And, uh, and Jesus said, well, I have come for those kinds of people. I have come to set at liberty those that are oppressed. When you, read, when you read about the Beatitudes, the Beatitudes is actually, a, Jesus is communicating to a generation that they were, they were thirsty for justice. They were thirsty for righteousness. They, they wanted to see some things happening. And Jesus is saying, well, blessed are you poor in spirit because, you know, yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you thirst and, and hunger after righteousness because you shall be satisfied. You know, Jesus is not talking to Christians. He's talking to people who had, had been through the mill, had, had, had been through a lot of trouble. They were dissatisfied. They were oppressed. They, were, they needed the words that Jesus brought into their lives. Amen. And I want you to know something with all the technology and all that has happened in our world today. You know what? I think our people, are more bound, people in this world are more bound than ever. They're more oppressed and depressed than ever. I, I tell you, the message of, of a Jesus that, set, that sets the captives free and opens the eyes of the blind is more current than ever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus is not irrelevant. He is relevant. He is relevant. Hallelujah. And what makes Jesus rele relevant is not lights and smoke and machine, although we like all of this stuff. But what makes Jesus relevant is it's himself. He is relevant. His message is relevant, relevant to the needs of, our, of the people in our generation. Hallelujah. So the tide was right. The tide was right. And the tide was right also morally speaking. Not because, I'm not saying that, <clears throat> that people were all living right. Quite the opposite. The tide was right morally because... There was not enough of it going around. I mean, there was, it was a very immoral, very decadent time. And, and if you read the, the letter of Paul to the Romans, right there, in, it, Paul describes a world in the book, in the first chapter of Romans, and in the book of Romans, Paul describes the, uh, a world that had sunk into deep moral hopelessness. The world had sunk into deep Moral hopelessness. You know, in the Roman world, much like today, every immoral extreme 
was allowed only to lead to greater emptiness in the hearts of men. Every extreme was allowed. I visited some Roman sites, and because I love archaeology and all of that, I've been to, uh, uh, what's that place near Napoli, Naples, um, where the Vesuvius, you know, I, 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 it's amazing. You walk through the streets, and it's all there. It's all there. It's amazing the amount of brothels, the amount of debauchery. I mean, you, you listen to the guides, and they'll tell you all of that was, was just prevalent, and yet the hearts of men were still thirsty, were still empty. And when you read the, room, the book of Romans, you, you realize Paul is speaking to the Romans. He's speaking to the people that were there, that saw it firsthand, the people that participated in all of this kind of stuff. And they knew, they knew that the world had sunk into deep moral hopelessness. You know, and they had tried everything. And there was, there's an historian, his name is Theodore Monsman. And he said, he said about this period in history, he said, the world was growing old and not even Caesar could make it young again. The world was growing old. I mean, every immoral novelty had grown old after a while. Every experiment that I'd had with something had grown old after a while. And there was no way to rejuvenate. There was no way to bring people to a place of life. Another thing that I love, about, apart from history, is philosophy. And I remember studying the Stoics. And the Stoics, I'm going to read something that they, it was their philosophy. The Stoic philosophers encouraged death as a guarantee of personal freedom, an escape from an unbearable reality that had nothing left to give. The Stoics basically said, you know what? Really nothing in this world will make you happy. Why don't you just go ahead and kill yourself? Because then you will find true freedom because this world has nothing left to give. And I think of our own world, which is in so many ways, uh, uh, we, I, we see the same moral hopelessness in, in, in our world today. It's so prevalent. And, and, and we are just as liberal as the people of Rome were. I mean, we've just legalized everything. And yet, you know, I don't think our world is any happier than it's ever been. I think our world is, I mean, you just look at the, the, Australian, um, the Australian Bureau of Statistics shows that eight to nine lives are lost per day to suicide. Suicide is the leading cause of death among Australians between the ages of 15 to 24. Does that sound like people are having fun in this world? Does that sound like immorality is working for this world? Does that sound like drugs and, and, and all kinds of perversion actually produces the desire to live a purposeful life? Come on, talk to me today. It's kind of a, a deep message. Probably you will understand a little bit better next week. But this is, hey, let's get real. Let's, let's, let's put the, the, all, the, all this fluff, this Christmas fluff aside. Let's talk about real life. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's talk about a real Jesus. Amen. It's, it's, yeah, let's put the, the, you know, all this. Amen. And, and let's, let's get real. Why did Jesus come? Because there was a world that, that needed him. And only a Savior could do. Hallelujah. 
But Jesus, unlike the Stoics, came proclaiming life. John 10, 10, you know, the thief, it is the thief who comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Come on, somebody give, give a hand to the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus came, you know, announcing life. And like the Stoics that came and said, well, just go, you, go and kill yourself. The world that Jesus came to was sick and morally bankrupt. But Jesus came saying, Luke chapter 5, verse 31 and 32, he said, But those who are, who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. So Jesus came to a world that needed a physician, to a world that was sick. And then the Bible says, I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. I want you to know something. Christmas is actually time to call people to repentance. I didn't get a lot of amens to that. I better have another glass of water. <laughs> because, you know, even now, what, what is Advent all about? It's, it's a preparation of, for a Jesus that came. And, and in preparation for the coming of Jesus, what did John the Baptist do? He said, oh, let's cut down some trees, put some lights on them, and let's, you know, just, let's just get everybody crazy, you know, buying stuff. I mean, he said... No, he came preaching repentance, preparing the way to the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. And that's the world Jesus came into. And that is the message that was relevant for that world. And I tell you what, I find no message more relevant to the world that we're living in right now. We need to tell people if you go down that path, there's a way that seems right to man, but the end of it is death. You know? We have to show people a better way. Be like Jesus. Hey, guys, come on. It's the devil who wants to knock you out, kill you, kill you to commit suicide. But Jesus, come that you might have life and experience it full to the full and overflowing. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Oh, man, I, I don't know about you. It's kind of a tough message, but I'm enjoying preaching it anyway. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to buy the CD myself. <laughs> I can't, there are no more CDs. But anyway. <laughs> no, and because of Jesus, where sin abounded, grace abounded all the more. Come on, somebody give Jesus a big hand. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Where sin abounded, where decay abounded, where death abounded, Jesus came and the grace of Jesus abounded all the more. Come on, somebody's happy about. Are you happy about the grace of Jesus? Are you happy about the grace of Jesus? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. So there was moral hopelessness, but there was also religious hopelessness. You know, the Olympus, the Olympus was crowded with so many gods. If any of them could help, maybe I'm sure these people wouldn't commit suicide, wouldn't kill themselves. Because there were so many gods in Olympus. Not only there were Roman gods, but there were Greek gods. My goodness. 
And once the Roman Empire started expanding beyond into the barbarian regions, they started, you know, receiving their gods and, and, and putting them alongside their, their previous gods in the Olympus. Now Caesar himself elbowed himself, elbowed everybody else out of the way, and he wanted to find a place among the pantheon of gods by declaring himself, hey, by the way, I am also a god. As if there weren't gods, enough gods already. But Caesar's like, hey, can I be a god? I'm a god now. Come on, worship me. But what could the divinity of Caesar add to someone in need? What could the divinity of Caesar do for a man with a broken heart? What could it accomplish to a soul stabbed by the remorse of sin? You know, when everything had been done, everything that had been done could be done. The hungry hearts were still left hungry. Because only Jesus can satisfy our soul. Only he, he can make us whole. Hallelujah. I remember when I gave my life to Jesus, there was this itinerant worshiper that came to our church and he sang this song. It stayed with me. I can't even remember the rest of the song, but I remember just a chorus. Only Jesus can, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only he can change your heart and make it whole. Only Jesus can, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only He can change your heart and make it whole. You know, that stayed with me. That stayed with me. That stayed with me. Hallelujah. That stayed with me. Hallelujah. In the times when I feel down and I go through the valley, I sing that song many times just as my kids. And I don't know the rest of the song. They're like, Dad, is that a rest? I don't know, but I just know this bit. This is the bit that encourages me. Only Jesus can satisfy my soul. Hallelujah. Only He can make me whole. Praise God. So the world needed a Savior. And all that we see in the world today, I believe that it only makes our message more relevant and I believe that all, all that we see today only makes, in my mind at least, the, the visitation of Jesus more imminent to our world. But when the time, the set time had fully come, God sent His Son. When the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law. You know, Jesus came at the right time, at a set time. He entered the world that was going through unique historical circumstances. You know, number one, the world was connected like never before. Does that sound like today? We are connected like never before. The world had become small. It was no longer a whole bunch of, of, of um, countries. Now it was one country. You know, today we talk about living in a global village. We talk about a global village. Our world has become really small. You know, the world spoke the same language. And we are living at an age of uniformity and conformity. Where there is a narrative. Hey, Christian, listen to this today, okay? There is a narrative 
that is coming from postmodern minds and demonically inspired. And this narrative is coming through culture, is coming through politicians, is coming in a lot of ways. And they want us to conform to a certain narrative and to speak the same language. That's the world we're living in today. Is it okay if we talk about serious stuff? <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, despite the external successes of Rome, the world was hopeless, restless, depressed, and oppressed. Does that describe someone you know? Could it be that once again, I just want to conclude with this. Could it be, just a few thoughts for us to conclude, wrap it up today, okay? So we go home and we think about these things and we're going to go through this message again. I think about all these things that I've mentioned today. But could it be that once again, the world's extremity, the, the darkness that we see in the world, all the moral decay, could in fact be God's opportunity? Amen. The darkness, I believe it's just an opportunity for us to shine our light brighter than ever. Hallelujah. Amen. The world's needs is just an opportunity for us to come with the seeds of the gospel and, and share hope and, and share life with them. Hallelujah. And share faith in Jesus. And could it be that once again the tide is high? for a revival of souls like never before. Come on, I am believing for the revival of souls like never before, hallelujah. People flocking to the presence of God. People flocking to the house of God to hear messages like this, hallelujah. Could it be? And lastly, could it be that the fullness of time is, all, is upon us in this time and that we need to prepare the world for the return? of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Could it be that a, that a set time is upon us? If we look, I mean, just, just, I, I think that my grandmother, if, he, if she had, she would ever, I, I mean, she had no idea, if, if she would come back to this world and, and she would have no idea how to function in the world that we're living in today. The things that have happened in our generation, just within maybe the 30 years at all levels, I think have created special, unique, and paralleled conditions in our world. And I'll tell you something, God's not going to just cross His arms and leave us, abandon us to the darkness of this world. God's like, okay, have you had enough of darkness? Have you, enough, have you had enough of despair? Have you had enough of the stuff that you've tried? Okay, let me now come onto the scene and show you the brightness, the beauty, the power, the healing, the deliverance, the fulfillment, the purpose that I can bring into people's lives. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah.